Welcome to The West Steps, a podcast from the Colorado Children's Campaign that explores issues that impact Colorado kids and families. I'm your host, Beza Tedesk. This week on The West Steps, we're going to do a little bit um, different episode for you. We're going to talk about immunization, but instead of just talking to a policy expert, we figure we'll talk to different voices and see uh, see the issue from different angles. Um, we get, I'm going to start with our own Aaron Miller, Miller to um, give us an overview of the policy, but then also set up the guests that we're going to be hearing from in a couple of minutes. Um, Aaron, um, what has been happening this week um, in the universe of immunization in Colorado? And then um, can you walk us through... Um, who are we going to be hearing from? Yeah, I'm happy to give some background on this. Um, so it, this is actually a policy solution that the Children's Campaign and a number of partners have been working on for years, really. Um, and we've really been putting together um, a policy for this legislative session since the very sort of beginning of summer, the end of last session. Um, And so we've been working on this policy concept and we're trying to get at this issue where Colorado has among the most lax um, vaccine exemption, vaccine policies of any state in the country. And correspondingly, we have some really low rates of vaccination among our kids. Um, We consistently rank among, you know, sort of the bottom of states in vaccination rates. And um, we're actually very last in kindergarten vaccination rates um, against measles, mumps, and rubella. So real problems here. And and so we've been trying to find some policy solutions to address it. So what, what has been happening this week? I feel like this week we just heard um, from different angles about this conversation. There was a press conference on Monday. Can you give us um, what has been happening this week? Yeah. So it's been a really big week for this policy that's been in motion for a a long time. Um, We are really close to sort of finalizing um, the bill and getting it introduced. And so that's very exciting. And um, to sort of get momentum going um, and get folks educated around this policy, we had a press conference on Monday um, where we were able to hear from a number of different, you know, from a number of different perspectives, the legislators who've been working on this policy were there to sort of give some background. Um, Dr. Sean O'Leary, who you'll actually hear from later on the podcast today, who's one of sort of the world experts on vaccine policy um, among kids was um, there. Um, And then um, we heard from some parents who's Um, who have kids that have special healthcare needs and who are very young and so can't actually be vaccinated um, yet. And so they depend on having protection from vaccines, um, vaccine preventable diseases in their communities. Um, And so, you know, the press conference really just served to sort of share those different viewpoints around this policy and start sort of gathering some momentum. Um, We've been working really closely with the governor's office over the summer as we've work to develop this policy proposal. And um, we got a number of questions at the press conference about, you know, is the governor supportive of this policy? Is this something that folks see sort of has a path forward and, and can get signed into law? 
Um, and reporters reached out to the governor's office after that press conference. And he confirmed that, you know, sort of as written as we've drafted it so far, he is supportive of this policy change. And so that really creates a lot of momentum around it. And we have a, a real path forward this session. And so we've been asking our networks just to like reach out and thank the governor for his commitment to this policy and his commitment to um, increasing our vaccine vaccination rates among our kids so that we can keep everybody safe. Um, thank you for that recap of this really um, big week for immunization and vaccination in Colorado. Um, can you just, you hinted at this, but can you just set up the, um, the folks that we're going to be listening from today on the podcast? And then also maybe can you give our listeners um, where they can go to find more information? Yeah. Um, so I'm so excited for our podcast this week. I can't wait to um, hear hear it and hear how it goes. Um, uh, we've been using some new technology too, so um, hoping that works. Um, and and part of the reason why we've been, you know, I think using this new technology is because. Um, uh, one of the folks that you're going to hear from this week is Frankie. She's a mom um, uh, uh, for whom vaccination is just really important. And so she participated in, a, in an interview over the phone. And so um, we're just really excited to have that perspective um, this week and really excited to hear how it goes. Um, and uh, just so thankful for her advocacy and how um, recognizing just how important this issue is in Colorado. Um, and then the other folks that we'll hear from, uh, other person is um, Dr. Sean O'Leary, who I, I mentioned a little while ago, but he's really one of the world experts in this policy space and um, really excited to have had him involved in crafting this policy and here to think about like, how do we really move the needle and get more kids vaccinated um, to protect the greatest number of kids possible? Um, thank you so much, Erin, for calling in today in this snowy, snowy Denver. Um, I really That's the other reason you. we've had to use new technology is <laughs> the weather has not been cooperative. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for always willing to uh, jump on on the podcast and try to bring these issues to advocates who are really interested in hearing about um, the statewide issues that affect everybody. So thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I, I should add, day. sorry, before, before we end here, I should add, you mentioned, you know, where can folks learn more? So sure. everyone has signed up for our Kids Flash newsletter, um, but that is going to be going out later today and it will have a link for folks to click on if they want to just, you know, have a quick and easy way to write an, a thank you note to our governor and thank him for supporting this policy. Um, so that's sort of a good first step for getting engaged. And then it has a bunch of other, you know, sources and websites where you can learn more about this policy and, and stay engaged as it moves forward. Awesome. Thank you so much, Aaron. We'll talk to you thank soon. Thank you, Beza. All right. All thank right. you. Right. Bye. Welcome to the West Steps, a new guest um, this week. Um, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Um, and then maybe we'll jump into the topic. Sure. Um, my name is Sean O'Leary. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric infectious disease specialist. Um, I work at Children's Hospital Colorado. Uh, I was a general pediatrician for a long time in Fort Collins, Colorado, and now um, I do research around vaccines. So I uh, look at barriers to vaccination, try to understand why those barriers exist, and then uh, look at ways to address those barriers and, and bring up immunization rates. Um, Colorado has been in conversation around vaccination rates and immunization rates um, for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some uh, idea about what the landscape looks like for Colorado kids? 
Yeah. So, you know, the vast majority of parents in Colorado actually vaccinate their children. So even though, you know, we've been hearing a lot about um, immunizations in Colorado the last several years, most parents do vaccinate their children. However, um, to prevent the spread of vaccine preventable diseases, uh, right now it looks like not enough. So to, you know, for example, for measles, you want to have about 95% of the population vaccinated to protect, um, the, the entire community. And in Colorado, that rate is around 88% for, for children entering kindergarten. So we've got a ways to go to get up to the, the goals we, we really need to get to. Um, so that's, that's, you know, and, and the other vaccines that we're talking about besides the MMR vaccine with measles, um, similarly, we lag behind a lot of the other states in the U.S. Um, so we're not doing terrible, but we're also not doing as well as we need to be doing. We, yeah, that's exactly right. We could do a lot better. Okay. So what is Colorado doing about that right now? What is the state government doing about it? Right. So um, there are no silver bullets for vaccination. So there's no one single thing that's going to make you have high vaccination rates. So right now in Colorado, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people who's who, who work all day, every day at um, increasing and maintaining uh, high vaccination rates. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that runs from medical providers all the way to, you know, people at local public health departments, state health, state health departments, et cetera. Um, and so there's a lot going on behind the scenes all the time to uh, get vaccination rates high. That's things like um, public health departments giving, giving vaccines, medical providers giving vaccines, people um, trying to uh, work to create our immunization registry so we understand what our vaccination rates are. So lots of things that are already going on. Um, at the state policy level, that's where um, we're, you know, things that are, are a bit dynamic now. There was the, the bill that failed last year mm-hmm. um, and now a, a bill that's going to be introduced this year. And the reasoning behind that is that um, uh, vaccination um, requirements are enforced at, at, enforced at school and licensed child care entry. And... Um, you can get exemptions to that, though. So all children are, are required to have vaccines when they go to school, um, but uh, you can get a medical exemption. So all 50 states allow medical exemptions. 45 states allow non-medical exemptions, and Colorado is one of those states. What we've seen is that uh, states that have uh, very easy exemption pr- policies have much higher exemption rates and much lower vaccination rates. Mm-hmm. Colorado has among the easiest exemption policies in the country. And so that's one of the things that's being addressed in this new bill that's being introduced. Um, I know you have to run, so I don't want to take too much of your time. But for people who are interested in this and mm-hmm. are deeply affected by it, um, what is the best way for them to bl- to plug into this issue? Um, well, so uh, lots lots of advocacy organizations around the state. The, um, the the most obvious one would be Immunize Colorado, formerly known as the Colorado Children's Immunization Coalition. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, have a great website, and and that's a, a big advocacy organization. Children's Hospital Colorado, of course, uh, is part of the Immunization Coalition or Immunize, Immunize Colorado. Um, Colorado, um, the uh, um, 
America, the Colorado AAP is also very involved in, in all of this work as well, the American Academy of Pediatrics. So uh, lots of ways to get involved. Um, certainly speaking, uh, simply asking at your school, like for a parent asking at their child's school or child care center, you know, what's the vaccination rate here? What's your policy? Are you are you tracking your, your rates here? Because I'm concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that can uh, that can go a long way to kind of helping spread the word that that um, keeping high vaccination rates matters. Thank you so much for making time for us and hopefully we'll talk to you very soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us um, on this week's episode of the West Steps. And uh, before we jump in, how about um, you tell us who you are and where you're calling from today? Uh, My name is Frankie and um, I am the mother of Gavin and I live in Broomfield, just outside of Denver, Colorado. Um, so you are one of the parent advocates who started this conversation around immunization this week. Um, we saw a press conference early this week as well. Um, can you tell us um, exactly what your situation with Gavin and and um, how you ended up getting involved in this conversation? Uh, yeah, Gavin is a two-time cancer fighter. Uh, he recently just finished um, a new experimental treatment called CAR T-cell therapy. And to put that kind of in everyday terms, um, we extracted some of his T-cells. We engineered them to go into his body and kill off all of his B-cells, which is where his cancer lives. Mm -hmm. And as a result, um, it it did work. All the B-cells were killed off, but your B-cells are also where all of your Um, immunity is where all of your vaccinations live um, and so your entire immune system is in your b cells and so he no longer has any so um so yeah he's not immune to anything that um most children are uh when they get their vaccinations so we have wiped out all of his vaccinations and Um, because he has no B cells, he cannot get revaccinated. There's nothing for those vaccines to adhere to. Um, And so we became involved in the conversation because um, it is crucial that Gavin isn't exposed to things um, that his body no longer has the ability to fight off. So this is very interesting because I think whenever we talk about immunization, we talk about it from a parent choice conversation. And it seemed like you were uniquely positioned to speak about the fact that some kids don't get a choice. Um, what was your decision like to start speaking out about this and not just keep it um, closely in your family? Uh, really, I think the first thing that happened that really kind of shocked me and, and made me realize that this is a really could be a really serious situation for Gavin um, is when we had the recent uh, measles scare in Colorado and Gavin and I had been at Children's Hospital just days before um, those children in question were at the children's emergency room and it made me realize like how vulnerable he is and um And it scared me. I mean, I'll be honest, like it scared me to think that had we had he had that fever two days later, he would have been exposed to something that he no longer has the ability to fight off. And because he doesn't have that ability, 
it could very easily kill him. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the um, the things that um, keeps coming up is that how something that seems so uh, private becomes so uh, public very quickly. Um, can you speak about um, your family's struggle to get people to kind of pay attention to this, that their choices has significant consequences for your son? Well, that's just it. Gavin doesn't have a choice anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have a choice anymore. Um, if I had the option to vaccinate him, I absolutely would redo it. Like we do every single one of them again, if we were able to do that. Um, but we're not. And so now it becomes more than just your choice to vaccinate your child. Your choice now affects me and my child and all of those other children that are in similar situations as my mm -hmm. son. Those with immune systems that don't tolerate the vaccinations or those who've had the same treatments that he's had or those brand new babies that, you know, can't get vaccinated yet. All of those people are now vulnerable and it has just been become glaringly obvious to me. Those people don't have choices any more than we have a choice. And now it becomes, to me anyway, it's it's a public safety issue. Therefore, it's no longer a personal choice. It's a necessity. We need to keep each other safe. And in order to do that, children need to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, when... It, it feels like when issues like this come up and you start to have conversations with people, there is a, a lot of fear around speaking up and just advocacy in general. Um, can you talk about some of the lessons that you learned in, you know, humanizing this issue and really getting people to listen? Um, and what were some of the things that you learned um, as you were going through this journey? I'll be honest, I was super nervous about speaking out on this topic, too. I tend to try to not be a confrontational person. I don't like conflict. Um, but I have spent Gavin's entire life advocating for him in one way or another. He also has Down syndrome. And so um, I think I've just progressively gotten more and more able to advocate for him in areas that he needs it. And now this is just a new area that he needs an advocate, someone to stand up for him and say, this is not okay. I need someone to fight for me and I need to be kept safe. And this is the way that I can do that. And regardless of how scary it is or how much it hurts somebody's feelings or makes somebody mad, he's still my son and I'm always going to do what's best for him. Yeah. And I think we we tend to forget at the end of the day, that, you know, behind these conversations are kids lives at stake. Um, and it, it's it's everybody's responsibility to elevate this issue. So for those, you know, I think this conversation usually usually relegated to parents or parents with sick kids or um in that space. But what about people who feel like, oh, this doesn't affect me. I'm a young adult. I'm vaccinated. This is not my fight. Um, how do you invite those people into the conversation? Well, it wasn't my fight either until Gavin got sick. And, um, you know, it may not be your fight either until it needs to be your fight. And I feel like I need to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. And I feel that as a community, um, it's crucial that we stand up for those people who cannot stand up for themselves. We need to advocate for those who don't have a voice because it, it, it takes a village to raise one child and that village can work together to keep all children safe. 
And as scary as it is and as uncomfortable as it is or what, however, you know, you feel about it, if you can save one child, wouldn't it all have been worth it? Yeah. Um, Just to end on a a good note, what is something um, that you learned that you were just very grateful for wanting to speak up for your son and to bring this conversation forward? What is a positive thing that you learned in this experience? Truly, um, I think that people are just basically good and people really do want to help each other. Mm -hmm. And if they understood the issue in such a way that, oh, this is really life-threatening or it could potentially be life-threatening, I think people want to help. And um, I'm thankful that there are those people that are looking for ways to help me advocate for my son. Well, thank you so much, Frankie, for um, talking to us and really sharing your story. It's, it's very powerful when we put faces behind these conversations, because at the end of the day, these are kids that we are talking about. Um, I really appreciate you and uh, keep up the good fight. Thank you so much. You have a great day. All right. Have a good one. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. I have one of my colleagues to help me with uh, some ads. Previous guest of the West, Steph. Steph. That's me. (laughs) Who's our sponsor this week? Support for this episode is provided by Effect, a Denver-based digital agency that helps campaigns win elections. Effect supports outstanding candidates and initiatives that are focused on winning their election in order to positively transform communities. Learn more at EFFCT.org. You want to say that last part again? Where can people go? (laughs) E-F-F-C-T dot O-R-G. That's effect.org. Thank you, Steph. Thank you. The West Steps is a production of the Colorado Children's Campaign. To support our work, please visit coloradokids.org. And I'll see you next week.